Welcome to Trawadrin Legends and Lore. Episode 47, Sharon. Well, hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Trollodon Legends and Lore. I am Chad Corey, and we're going to continue going on the mini-series here. We're getting close to the end. This is the penultimate chapter here in the uh, collection of what's going to be called, I guess, Origin Cities, the origin of the Origin Cities, and kind of giving you some more background information about what went into the foundations and what became known as the Origin Cities of Trollodon. And these origin cities, as we've been talking about, are primarily focused on mortal kind, and that is the humans, the elves, the dwarves, the gnomes, the halflings, and kind of how they all got their start or got the beginnings of their major population centers and groups and so on and so forth and established themselves as a predominantly powerful group on at least the northern hemisphere of Trollodon. We've already covered uh, several of these so far. We've looked at Remolos, we've looked at Gondad, we looked at Arden, and now today we are going to delve into Sharon. Now, people might mispronounce this, this uh, origin city in particular because it's spelled like Karen, C-A-R-O-N, but because of the unique language of the halflings, it is Sharon. So I just want to get that up front. So if you ever see it in the future and you're tempted to say, well, it's Karen, well, you, you can call it whatever you want, obviously, in your mind, but... Uh, the pronunciation, as far as the halflings are concerned, is Sharon. And it is, uh, as we said in the last episode, has a unique distinction of sharing the landmass, the, the same landmass, I guess, as Arden, which was the gnomish uh, origin city on the uh, continent or landmass of Brianna. Now, I'm not going to go into greater detail on that because I did a lot of that in the last episode, so you want to know more about the background there. I would encourage you to check that out. Uh, we're going to start kind of in the middle of where we left off for that episode, or kind of blend in, I guess, because these two share a lot of historical elements to them. But the whereas the gnomes had their start by Kenrick Kemp and the idea of liberation from the giants that were causing them some issues and some challenges back in the day that formed the foundations of the origin city and then eventually led to the, the, the kingdom and then the the Empire, and then now we have a Republic, which dominates all of Brianna and the Brennian Islands, bringing all the halflings and gnomes together into one you know, people, one nation. Uh, the halflings were a slightly different story. They had the unique distinction, at least in the beginning, from being a more grander foundation. Uh, historically speaking, thus far, None of the origin cities had a very grandiose type of foundation. I mean, Remolos was a bunch of ruins that were taken over and incorporated into a, a city. Uh, Gondad was more or less a small village or town that was grown and developed over the years into a mighty empire. With Arden, a similar story as Gondad, but with Sharon, somehow they were a a smallish city, a decent-sized city from the beginning. There's rumors and there's an idea that this was an old Draenoric settlement that survived somehow, some way, shape, or form, the Great Shaking, and found itself repopulated and rebuilt up over the years by halflings, who conveniently, as a lot of people do over the centuries, 
forget their origins and, or you know get kind of shadowy or murky of what was their past and blend it with some other creative fictions and history to produce what they ultimately believe is their current reality. And that's just kind of what took place with Sharon. It was a, a city of uh, some well-known repute at the time, even in the beginning of the known historical record, and it had a king, which, again, not everyone did with the origin city. So it had some very royal and, and powerful beginnings early on. This king's name was Leroy, and Leroy was a, again, we're going to kind of put him in the same category, perhaps, as King Arthur, like we did last episode with the Arden's uh, ruler, Kenrick Kemp, I mean, with, uh, with Eldon, excuse me, with Gondad. We don't know for sure if everything tied to him is accurate, but he was for sure a, a ruler, a monarch. He he already had, a, like I said, a, a place of power, of rule, of influence that existed there. And it's known that he had several wives before his current queen. So he was kind of had some longevity beneath his belt. We don't really know how long he lived earlier until the point of his entering historical land. But he claimed he was, uh, he had a, a pedigree or whatever that gave him validity or the right to rule his his kingdom. And the kingdom was basically at that time it was a city-state. And he was there for a period of time. Again, we don't really know where he originally got his start, but when the clouds and the curtain opens up from the beginning of the shadow years, or at least when we begin to look at the origin cities, he was there. He was on the throne, he was a king, and the city-state was there, and it was already kind of really, really strongly established. Ironically, given his stronger position, you would think that they would be able to dominate much of the region and the territory and eventually the gnomes and things should have gone the exact opposite than what they did with the gnomes taking over and, and dominating them instead. But uh, history sometimes is full of ironic twists and turns and reversals of fortunes. And so this is one of those things where you would think that they would have a better start because of the already the imperial trappings and things and the wealth and the resources already available at their disposal upon their supposed founding. But that was not necessarily the case. Uh, while he, Leroy, was a, I guess he, I don't want to say a tyrant, because again, it depends on who you listen to. He was definitely very imperial-minded. He was definitely very big on uh, autocracy, shall we say. And he was big on wanting to control and dominate the territories and people that he had influence and control over. And so it was no big surprise that he put a big push into taking more land, more territory, more resources and such growing and growing and growing the territory and land and this would continue under his predecessors as well and so that so much so that eventually they took over pretty much half of Brianna and obviously when you begin to take over such large territory and you have another competing origin city or people group on the other side of the land trying to do the same thing on their end you're going to initially butt heads. You're going to interact. You're going to reach out. You're going to, at some point, butt heads. And that is what happened with these two origin cities. Now, uniquely enough, uh, the Sharon really didn't have a lot of initial challenges that the gnomes did with Arden. As you might recall from last episode, Arden was founded uh, primarily as a defensive attempt against some gigantic attacks. But in the process, they became unified people out of that and just developed after that 
into the, the nation they would become. With Sharon, it was a different story. They didn't really have any initial threats or challenges to them, and they already had a power base established. It was just stretching and expanding that power base as the years and centuries wore on. And when they first interacted with each other, they had you know kind of different worldviews, kind of different mindsets on some levels, which added to some of the conflict. But each of them wanted to continue the expansion at the expense of the other. They didn't want to give up any of their territory, and they wanted to see the other acquiesce their territory. And initially, there was some attempt at diplomacy and diplomatic efforts. You know, we'll we'll stay on our side of the fence, you stay on your side of the fence, kind of thing. And that you know worked for a little bit, but ultimately, what would happen is you'd have these back and forth battles, which each would try and take on uh, the territory and uh, area of the other. And so you had some of the you know you had the halflings kind of crunching into the gnome territory, and then you had the gnomes taking in some of the halfling territory, and then just go back and forth and back and forth, and you'd see one side predominate over the other. So it wasn't really clear who was going to ultimately be the victor. There were several, you know, Pyrrhic victories over the centuries and, and several, you know, really reversals of fortunes that took place as, you know, one side, which was down for the longest time, suddenly got new life and, and so on and so forth. So it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't really clear to many people for a long time who was going to win out. And there were also periods of time where there was just general peace. You know, they kind of just accepted with different rulers and things in different time periods of the, the history of the world they just say, you know, we're not going to fight right now. We're going to, you know, just consolidate what we have and just try and be at peace. We recuperate what we have and try and live our lives. And that, you know, that worked for a little bit. It's so a little lull in there. And then eventually you'd have another ruler or another group of people that said, you know, you know we got to take some more territory again. They begin the fighting anew. So again, it was, you know, back and forth and some rest periods in between there. So it was a really interesting period of time that ebbed and flowed and went all over the place for, for a long, long time. Eventually, however, you had the final battle with the two, uh, I guess you could say, empires. And that was, like I said, a Pyrrhic victory in the ultimate sense in that both origin cities were destroyed. The people groups were basically decimated or really destroyed. And you were left with people trying to pick up their pieces. Now, the only benefit to the gnomes was that the halflings were the worse off of the affair and they lost the most. And that had something to do, to a great extent, with the final leadership and the kings of that time who just got more and more petty and tyrannical. And there was a lot of upheavals that took place uh, society-wide uh, with the halflings. There were a lot of revolts and things towards the end where the people were literally warring with their own nation and government. So when you have a people that are warring with themselves and then you're trying to fight off another foreign invader it doesn't really work that well in your favor. And so they ended up having a lot of challenges to overcome and suffering a greater defeat because of that that ended up taking away, well, they took away a lot of the initial power structure through their revolts and things. So there wasn't a lot of stuff to stop the invasion and there wasn't a lot of uh, central command or places of rallying that you could go to to defend your nation from foreign threats uh, like you could before because you took out a lot of the former power structures. So because of that, they suffered the worst and had the most recuperation to do, which allowed the gnomes to basically just take over, <laughs> take over all of uh, Brianna and establish the Universal Republic at the time. Uh, eventually, 
the halflings were brought in. Initially, they were kind of kept to their own territory or kind of allowed a semi-autonomous aspect to them, kind of ruled over like a territory or things like that. But eventually, they were brought into the the larger republic as a whole and, and even allowed access to parts of the government and running the government with the gnomes so that they, usually, they had a, a multi-ethnic uh, republic, basically. And they were at peace, which you know took a long time. But for those years, those early years in particular, there was a lot of conflict and a lot of back and forth uh, that took place and contributed to a lot of uh, hard feelings. And part of the process, which I can get into now, uh, with the halflings having their, their homeland destroyed, was this great dispersion of the population across much of the world, basically, especially the northern hemisphere. Um, this is unique because the gnomes really didn't didn't disperse themselves. I mean, they, they became more mercantile. They became more uh, interested in expanding their diplomatic and, uh, like I said, merchant connections, trading routes, and things like that. And so you had a lot of gnomes growing more interested in the lands to the east. And so they would go off and sail and establish, you know, many many merchant territories and things like that to interest, interact with various peoples and places and things and, and learn more about the cultures and things like that. And thus you have more interaction with the gnomes, perhaps, initially than you did the halflings. But towards the end of things with Sharon and as there was more upheaval and revolts and stuff, more and more halflings were leaving to find their own uh, better life, shall we say, outside of their own land. And so you had a lot of migrations to the eastern lands, and that in particular the Midlands, and that is where you begin to interact with the halflings. And then you have a lot of them fleeing at the end when Arden destroyed Sharon and a lot of their nation. They wanted to flee to uh, some better, better prospects. And so that's where you have this mass migration of halflings that really began flowing into the, the Midlands and into uh, maybe parts of the Southerlands, but most of the Midlands throughout the years that followed. And that's where you have the beginnings of all these kind of, I guess we want to say negative stereotypes and connotations attached to the halflings because as they progressed, as they moved in, then you also had some gnome sharing stories and you had halflings sharing stories, what was going on. And just there were some general people that fit the stereotype of what the halflings were thought of at the time as, you know, these lazy, uh, kind of snooty people that didn't want to work, didn't want to do things, because that's kind of what some of their kings were like and some of the people, the ruling class and the aristocracy were doing towards the end, and that kind of contributed to this overall view of what oh, that all halflings must be this way. And so that's kind of the, the stereotype and things that had to overcome as they began to uh, move into these, these new lands. And, of course, like any time you get into a new country and you're the new people group on the block, you tend to gravitate towards certain areas, certain regions, but you also try and find uh, a way to make a living or just exist anywhere you can. Unfortunately, some of the people that came over had to look to graft and to theft the things to make ends meet. Not everyone, obviously, but enough that that kind of got attached to halflings as well. So you begin to see people associating crime and, and uh, not-so-nice qualities to the halfling populations that came to dominate different parts of uh, the Midlands and other places, other cities, and things like that. So that was kind of their history and legacy as well, at least in the 
non-Western land portion of the Northern Hemisphere of Trelodon. But for those that stayed behind on the Western lands and the remainder of Sharon, Sharon itself was basically destroyed, as was Arden. The ruins still exist uh, to this day in some way, shape, or form. Uh, there is a territory that they tried to, uh, actually a, a region that they founded, uh, Lironia, uh, that was founded on Rexitoius, and that has existed to some extent even into the modern times. But that was also a place that people fled trying to get away from the domination of, at first, uh, the, the kings of Sharon and then the Arden, and they're, they're taking over of the but that's kind of the nutshell version of what took place with Sharon. Like I said, hopefully it provided some insight into what went into, I think, one of the more unique origin cities of Trelodon. It doesn't always get a, a fair shake, as you can imagine, given the population of halflings that uh, what came from there. But, like I said, I think it has a unique flavor, unique aspect to it that we might get into more uh, in the future as uh, we delve into more historical elements, particularly in the Western lands in general. But that is it for today. Hopefully you enjoyed it, like I said, and I will see you next episode. Thanks for listening. This podcast is copyright Chad Corey. All rights reserved.